Hey everyone, it's the uh, the Drake Martinez podcast. I'm your host, and um, thank you guys for tuning in. All right, so we're a little bit late on this one. It's gonna be airing on Tuesday, but you know, I know I changed the date to Saturday. But my wife and I just got back from a really epic trip. We went all throughout California. We drove from our home in San Diego all the way up to Malibu, Santa Barbara. Checked out Solvang, California. And we went to Fresno after that, checked out uh, Yosemite National Park, Kings Canyon National Park, Sequoia National Park, and then we drove back down, went through L.A., and then went back home. And it was a, a long trip, but very, very much needed. And, uh, yeah, it was amazing. So right off the bat, just talk a little bit about that, just give you guys like a little idea of, like, why we decided to go on that trip, what was the purpose behind it, what we got out of it. And, um, you know, I grew up in the city. I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, and my my wife is from Ho Chi Minh City over in Vietnam. And we're city people. There's just no way other way to cut it. But once I got into like about my mid-20s around there, I started getting really into outdoors, rock climbing and camping, doing like kind of like extreme camping, like winter camping. I've done quite a bit of that up in Maine, Grand Canyon, Joshua Tree tree during the winter, and uh, just really like testing like how far I can go with being out in the outdoors. So one thing that I've noticed is there's a difference in how you approach like the fun things that you do during your bachelor years versus like when you get married, you have to sort of slow things down. If you're, you know, the type of person like me that likes to really push it, you know, but my wife is a trooper. She, she had a great time. She, she loved every, every part of the trip. Um, obviously it's like, it's, it's a long trip. It's a lot of driving, you know, it's, it gets tiresome, but overall it was really, really fun. And it's a great experience to go out and to just enjoy nature and to sort of unplug, chill out in a tent, see the stars, disconnect. And I think there's a certain aspect of life that you get to take in when you're out in the out in God's creation, which is you know nature, like the the, the beautiful landscapes, especially up in Yosemite. It's it's stunning. It's like I always described it as being like dropped into a painting. That it's all, it doesn't seem real that these cliffs and this valley is so enormous and so just awe-inspiring that it really brings out a creative element of of that's like almost like a primal sense of you, and and it helps you keep perspective of like what it is that you're supposed to do with your talents and what you've done in your life to develop those talents. And I think um, that's kind of like what I've noticed lately is like the purpose behind like your youth. Your youth is like, or or at least my youth, and this is something that I'm going to pass on to my children, is your youth is like a great time, or is the time rather, to really develop your skills, to develop your personality, to develop your your strengths, to hone in on your weaknesses and make them, you know, not so glaring and to develop your your character overall i've seen in my life people that 
that don't really have a whole lot of like character substance and not a whole lot of like hobbies and interests and skills that they develop in their early life. And it really hinders them later on when they have to face adversity or when things don't go their way or when they have conflict and those skills that you develop through camping, through going through adversity, going out in the wilderness, exercising, doing really difficult things in your life, challenging yourself is what's going to really set you apart so that once you take on new and more exciting challenges that you have just so much more room to grow and so much more, so many more responsibilities that you can take on. So all that has to say is that all of those times that I went out on my own and with my dog back then to go winter camping really helped me prepare for making things more comfortable for my wife. So that when we went out together to Yosemite, like granted, there's more things that I can do. There's more things that I was like, hey, you know what? There's a lot more preparation that I can do. But I at least knew what to expect. I'm like, okay, we're going to bring our tent. We're going to bring this. We're going to bring that. And, um, you know, so that way, like once we go out there, we're not left out to the wolves or to the coyotes, which happened to me once. But, you know, so you're, you're out there and you're, and you're experiencing nature. You're it's, it's just so beautiful. I think if you have, if you're a city person like me and you haven't been able to go see out in the night sky and really absorb, like just really how many stars there are, then that's something that you should really do at least a few times in your life is, is to go out into the high desert at high altitude and wait out at night and just check out the stars and see what our ancestors saw on a nightly basis. Because like that, before cell phones, before technology, before all those things, that was their entertainment. And that's why like the constellations are there because like they, they like, they're literally, literally out there just like making pictures in the, in the night sky. And that was something that like me and my friends used to do when we were younger is we would go out and, um, you know, obviously this is before cell phones as well, is we would go out and look at the sky and um, like, oh yeah, that cloud looks like this, looks like a rabbit, looks like that or whatnot. So it was really, again, it was a really, really great trip. Um, One of my goals is to go check out like as many of the national parks as I can. And there's a lot there's, and quite a few of them are in Alaska. So they're, they're really difficult to get to, but that's one of my goals is to be able to do that and to go see as many of the national parks as I can have as many of these experiences as possible and to share them with my family and friends and to share that love of nature and of, of God's creation that I can show with my friends and family and be like, there's so much that we can take in from the simple things of just observing a creek or observing the night sky, hanging out together at a campsite. And I think that really taps us into what we were meant to do. And technology is great. Like I'm not, I'm not a Luddite or, any, or anything, but technology is great and it has its purpose in, develop, in further developing like our economy and all the things that, we, that we're destined to do as, as, as humans. But we shouldn't be so far removed from where our ancestors came from and tapping into the simple things in life and finding enjoyment out of them. It keeps us humble. It keeps us grounded and it keeps us, I think, connected to a certain primal 
sense of like who we are as human beings. And um, I think a lot of other activities can go into this category as well, like fishing, hunting, cooking, even cooking your own food. I think there's so many like automized things and automated things that are going on in our world that disconnect us from these simple natural things like growing our own food. Um, All these things really help develop a sense of pride and ownership of the things that we can accomplish and the creativity that we have within us to create and do new things and to learn new skills. Um, Yeah. So yeah, that's a little bit about like the things that I really enjoyed from this trip, from camping in general. And um, one of the things that it, one of the other things that I thought was really interesting about going on this trip is seeing the amazing landscape that we have in this beautiful country of the United States. And I have had the pleasure and the fortune of being able to travel all throughout this country. I've driven from Los Angeles to Boston, from from San Diego all the way up to Fresno and back, all throughout the Midwest. I've driven up and down the East Coast and uh, yeah, pretty much all over this country I've driven through. And probably the only areas that I haven't driven through is like the Pacific Northwest and then like the Dakotas and Montana. But pretty much everywhere, everywhere else in this country I've been able to drive through, even the swamps in Florida. And I think that's one of the amazing things about this country is there's such a variety of landscape that I think um, is a lot of people don't really quite understand. Is like in the United States, you have pretty much every type of landscape that you can come across. You have tundra, you have desert, which is another type of tundra. Um, you have swamps you have really dense forests mountains and you know lakes oceans beautiful rivers dams like all these great beautiful scenery plains and really really flat lands really you know steep mountains and and hills and when you travel throughout the country as opposed to like on long drives you get a better sense of of like how small and connected this country is. And even though it's a big continent with a lot of people on it and a lot of people doing their own things, you see like how connected we all are. We, I mean, like you could drive from the East Coast to the West Coast and really only go on like two roads. You could take the, the, the 40 pretty much across the entire country. And that was pretty mind-blowing to me when I traveled through the country. And you can see, like, dramatic landscape changes. Like, a great example of that is in Colorado. That Colorado's western side and its eastern side are really, like, a very clear demarcation between, like, the Rocky Mountains and then the Plains. So people in Colorado have a very good sense of, like, this adventurous uh, skiing, beautiful landscape, and then they also have that sense of like the breadbasket of like America and like the plains and these farmlands. And even in a beautiful state like California, where there's so much entertainment, big cities, like very big democratic liberal cities, but you drive a few 
a couple hundred miles north and you're into farmland with horses and signs of people that, um, you know, are, are going through some really difficult times. Uh, one of the things that was pretty shocking or a couple of things, one that was really shocking when I was traveling through California was this accusation that a lot of the local people had, I believe it was like near Bakersfield, if I remember correctly, and uh, or going on the way to Fresno. I'm pretty sure it was on the way to Fresno, near I would say near Bakersfield. And the people there were basically accusing the governor uh, Newsom, who I think is is pretty much a terrible guy. And this is just, but this is just purely from COVID, the COVID hypocrisy. But in any event, this guy apparently they're they're accusing him of um, dumping their water, of dumping fresh water, and they're like, "Hey, you're wasting our water. This water we use for farming." And my wife did a little bit more research into this, and she found that apparently there are like local city mandates based off of probably what's coming from like Sacramento and Cal in California, where. They're saying to these local towns, like, hey, you know, these reservoirs, we want you to dump them out into the ocean. So fresh water going out there. And the purpose behind it is apparently to your basic supply and demand. That if they create this hysteria about there being a drought, then they can use that for all sorts of different reasons. Some of them being political, economic, et cetera. And you can use your imagination. If they're saying like, hey, there's no water. Well, now they can kind of control you with like how much water you're using in your home, how much water you're using. Uh, I mean, you see this everywhere in California. We're in a drought, you know, save water. And then how much they can charge. And I think this, although it sounds kind of crazy, it really isn't. I, I've seen this over and over and over again in the last 20, 30 years where the, the, um, I, the Overton, what they call the Overton window has continuously been moved. And if you don't know what the Overton window is, it's like a basic, it's like the, the analogy that a lot of people use about the, uh, the frog being boiled in a, in a pot, where if you turn the heat up slowly, the frog doesn't notice. Whereas if you jack it up really quickly, then the frog will notice and jump out. It's the same sort of idea that they just keep getting us used to more and more, for lack of a better word, the word that I would use to describe what they're getting us used to is tyranny. And these concepts of these planned and embedded hampering systems that they use, lack of water resources, um, global warming and uh, cli climate change, all these sorts of things are embedded disabilities that they put into us being able to get to that next level. Now, this obviously this has to be balanced because also during our journey, we stopped at, um, it was a Carpinteria. It was a little bit north of Carpinteria, California, right on the coastline. You can see, I think it's about five to eight oil tank, uh, oil drilling stations that are out into the Pacific Ocean. You can see them with the naked eye. You don't need a telescope or anything. And my wife and I got to an area where 
um, there was a beach that we wanted to take our dog to. And then the moment we sort of like made our way down into the beach, we could smell very clearly uh, petroleum. And the, the, literally the, ga- the, uh, the beach smelled like a gas station. So that's not to say that these, that these issues or these um, worries that people have about the climate are, you know, just totally irrelevant. They, they're relevant. You know, there's also a great amount of deforestation that we saw with a lot of trees that were burnt down, especially as we got through like Yosemite and into Sequoia. Like there's areas that are just acres and acres and acres of trees burnt down. And it was pretty tough to see. You know, it it, it removes sort of that majestic uh, or not rem- totally, but uh, to some degree, it removes that majestic appeal of of the beauty of nature. But we also have to be real, realistic that some you know that their fires are part of nature that they happen. And one of the wonderful things about human beings is that we cultivate the land, that we take ownership of the land, and we make it so that these forest fires that are completely natural they happen by lightning. Um, some of them, some of them are cases of arson, but we. But we take the we pave the path for of removing debris, removing dead wood, and minimizing the effect that these uh, wildfires can have. You know, obviously, this is a really sad case of what happened in Maui, and there's just there's so many instances of our government not only mismanaging but lying. I remember when I was growing up that it was a conspiracy theory if you said like oh, the government's tapping your phones and listening to what you're saying. People are like, oh, back then, like, oh, you have a tinfoil hat. The government's not spying on us. But now everyone sort of just understands that the government does spy on us. They do it pretty much, it's ubiquitous. It happens thoroughly and completely, and everyone's just sort of gotten used to it. But that wasn't always the way that things were, and that wasn't always acceptable. But... Our government has taken all of these basic freedoms and liberties, then it has and have warped them, our rights rather, and have warped them into us thinking about them as privileges. And I think no case uh, makes that more clear than what happened today in um, in New Mexico, where the governor there today said that that she was essentially suspending the Second Amendment. Now. Again, whether or not you agree with the Second Amendment or not, it's totally irrelevant. It's part of our Bill of Rights. It's part of what makes our country our country. And it's unconstitutional. So she understands that, that it's unconstitutional, and she expects lawsuits. But this this overstep of government and this negating of rights, well, George Carlin pretty much said it the best. He said that there if rights can be taken away, then they're not rights, they're privileges. You have a privilege to drive, right? So you can drive your car, but you don't have a right to drive a car if you don't pay for your license registration, if you don't pay this tax. In a lot of states, they have excise tax, tax this tax, or whatever, whatever registration fees. If you don't have an, a, an automobile license uh, or a a license to drive an automobile, then you don't have that privilege to drive a car. 
Well, the Bill of Rights are not the Bill of Privileges. They're, they're rights. They can't be taken away. And I think that it's very ironic that we have this group of people that are always, you know, when it comes to Donald Trump, when it comes to uh, Paul Manafort, when it comes to the Trump family, that they are very much about law and order and about maintaining the laws that are on the books, like this case with him with Mar-a-Lago and like the classified documents thing. But on other instances, like the Bill of Rights in New Mexico, that this this governor is like, yeah, you know what? That's not really important. What's more important is are these lives that I'm, the, these handful of lives that I'm trying to take ownership over, you know, which I totally understand if you, you know, if you have deaths from gun violence, but negating the Bill of Rights isn't a way to do that. But anyways, I think part of the problem and people's concepts of our country and the what unifies us and actually how small this country is, is that they don't do a lot of traveling, that there's a lot of people that get clumped up in big cities and never leave, and they don't go out and talk to people that live in these small towns. They don't understand what their lives are like. They just kind of view them as backward, and I think that's a totally wrong impression. And more travel that people can undertake in the big cities to go and experience cities like Austin, Texas, or just go and travel in the South in Alabama and Tennessee and talk to people. And you'll kind of see like the, Hey, you know what? We all have a lot of things in common. We all just want what's best for our families to make a living an honest living and, and to do things that we love and to hang out with people and enjoy each other's company. And there's all these things that have been put in our way. And um, that can be pretty sad. And I think, you know, again, going on camping trips, going out with your families can really increase our perspective of what's important in life. And, um, and that's like coexisting peacefully. And, and then loving our neighbors and having um, a good, um, a, you know, good relations with each other. But I think that's, you know, becoming increasingly difficult with uh, the climate today. I think that there's a lot of hatred out there and there's a lot of people that, you know, are sort of like entrenched in their camps. And one way or the other, it leads to things that just aren't good. At one end of the spectrum, you have total hypocrisy, like Governor Newsom dumping fresh water into salt water just to maintain this illusion and manipulation of the public in order to maintain their narrative, even though their narrative is false. In, in, in a lot of ways, their narrative is false. And then the other end of the spectrum, you have what can happen on those beaches that we went to, where if these companies go unchecked, then yeah, they can have, you know, your beach just gets turned into a gas station and no one wants that either. So we need to be able to communicate with each other and we need to be able to speak honestly about what we want our country to look like going into the future if we want it to be a better place for our children. And I think that we all do. We all want that. So that was sort of the things that I learned, I've learned from, um, from driving around the country and seeing like how beautiful this place is 
and having a deeper appreciation for the um, just the average American and realizing like there's so many different places, not just New York, Los Angeles, San Diego, Miami, Chicago, Dallas, you know, New York, where you can live a, a great life in this country. And I think that's that's a wonderful thing. And I'll just kind of like end it on that note where, um, you know, my wife was talking about how her cousin was um, traveling abroad. She's going back to the, you know, to the, you know, to her home country. But she's been here for so long and has been an American citizen that she doesn't really think of like where the country that she grew up in as her home country anymore that the United States has been, is her home country. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. And that's a very beautiful and unique thing about America is that it's not so much where, where you live and all these other things that make you proud to be American. It's the opportunities and the experiences that you have as opposed to like an ethnicity or a language or... Uh, a certain way of life that there's all different types of ways to live in America. And it's the opportunities and freedoms and rights that we have um, to, to go our own path and to connect with people on that basic principle that makes this country such a beautiful and unique, unique place. And um, that's sort of like in contrast to like a lot of other countries where being Dutch is a very specific thing. Like, for example, when we went up to Solvang, Solvang is like the Dutch capital of America, apparently. And it's a very unique and beautiful place. If you've never been there, I highly recommend it. They have pretty good food. Um, you know, honestly, it's like a tourist kind of city. But a unique and um, interesting experience nonetheless. So we went there and the shops all sort of looked the same. The, they have a very specific way of doing bakery. They have their like signature meals that are and dishes that are classic Dutch. And you know, and Greek is the same way. You know, I grew up in a Greek family, and Greek homes all kind of have a certain look to them. They they have a very similar way of like interacting with family and signature dishes that you're going to find are Greek dishes. Same thing with Italians and Vietnamese and Japanese. Like if you've ever been to Japan, you know, the Japanese take their culture very and preserving their culture very, very seriously. But America's not really like that. America is such a unique and amazing place where like you could take all of these new and exciting things in and yet it's still American. Not because of a specific thing, but because of this overall agreement that we have that like we're here as free people. And um, I think that that's a beautiful and wonderful thing. So um, next week, we're going to take a shift over and talk about uh, music. But uh, I definitely wanted to share a little bit about like the eye-opening experience that I think traveling has, especially when you travel by car. And you see a lot more to this country as opposed to just what they, you know, like the major cities. And you get an experience of like that flyover area, as they say. 
So we'll leave you guys with that. And uh, yeah, next week we'll get into a music concept. I think what we'll do is I'll talk about music production. I think I'll get into a little bit about um, how I record, my recording process, and, um, you know, making uh, recording accessible because, like, I think there's also, like, this really unique thing that's happening where a lot of artists have complete control over, like, their music. And that was not always the case. I think what you're seeing now is you're seeing a lot of artists like in their 50s or 60s or 70s that um, like, like my guitar teacher is a, is a great example. Like he's doing his own album now. And the technology, the internet and things like DistroKid have really made this whole spectrum of the full spectrum of recording to publishing accessible to just that av- your average person. And it just takes like a further development of your skills in the various areas of audio engineering, production, and um, obviously like recording and music performance. But yeah, so that'll be for next week. Dive in, dive a lot more into that uh, topic. And so I'll leave you guys with that. So hopefully you guys enjoyed the show and uh, took some enjoyment from this podcast. And if you have unique experiences from traveling around this country and seeing um, new places or places that might have caught you off guard, you didn't expect this area to be as beautiful as it was. Uh, I know like for me, Arkansas was like that. I didn't think Arkansas was going to be as beautiful as it was. But if you guys have any of those types of suggestions or things that you'd like to discuss in terms of like this hid- the hidden beauty of America, I'd love to hear about it. I'm sure other people would as well. So please feel free to... Um, Engage with that in the comments, like, subscribe, and uh, hope to hear you guys. Hope to keep you guys with us next week and as we get into music content for next week. All right, thank you guys, and uh, have a good one. See you guys later.